first liberty and then learning. First it was freedom and then it was learning how to follow. And this is a pattern that you see repeated throughout God's word. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is our God. The chains of unbelief first give way and then we're led to live in a new way. And Romans 8 beautifully reminds us of this time and again. Romans 8 is about the of God the Spirit. I mentioned last week that up to this point in the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned one time, Romans 5, 5. Now here as we come to these sort of applications of truths and directions for living the Christian life, all of a sudden some 20 times the Holy Spirit's ministry comes to the fore. Real change for the Christian is about the Holy Spirit's ministering in us and through us. He makes the Christian life powerfully possible. So let me be very clear this morning about something, brothers and sisters. Christian living is essentially supernatural living. Christian living is essentially supernatural. And by that I mean this. There is a power at work in the Christian's life that is above the mere natural. It is supra. It is above and beyond. This chapter, the grade eight, is about the spiritual life. It is a manual. It is our SOPs, our standard operating procedures as we gather together as believers. And there are huge contrasts in the passage that I read between the life that's lived out in the flesh and the life that's lived out in the spirit. Positionally, he sees us as saved people, and he sees the personal work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. But practically speaking, practically speaking, we know that we have been born on a battlefield, and that there is a raging undertow that tugs at us, and we don't want to be like dead fish that go with the current. The challenge for us as Christians is to see the 
says that we won't be, can't be, by simply trying harder to be godly and good. Here's what I heard in these verses. Vulgar, you can't win. And to that, my shoulders slump. But wait just a moment. Hear now this. You'll never be clean, growing, rejoicing, serving, faithful, ferocious, and filled. But wait for it. this sense in which there is this war raging between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit desires to produce the very antithesis of what the flesh produces. The spirit produces joy. The flesh produces misery. The spirit is kind and otherly minded. The flesh is self-centered. I couldn't help but hear again in the language of James when he says, where does war and dissension and bitterness, where does it come from? It comes from within. He writes that to believers. Apart from the work of God the Spirit, it continues on. There is a frailty and a brittleness and a pride and an incessant selfishness. Apart from God the Spirit's work, apart from His counseling, His conviction, and His truth and love. The futility of the flesh looks like this. 
So let the grueling begin. It's that kind of love. That's the dementia, dare we say it, the insanity of life under the sun where there is no view above the sun. The idea is that the system is cold. Existence largely is pointless and accidental. And so it's eat, drink, and be merry. And in, that was our story. of a gym, a Pokemon gym. Didn't know that. They didn't bring their sneakers to play in the yard. They're in their car. They said, you need more than one person to play this game. And so they're in the parking lot, and they're playing a game in terms of the Pokemon gym here in our parking lot. I thought about that this past week, and I thought, there's all kinds of things going on that we don't know and we can't see. Now, take that concept onto the spiritual plane and the spiritual level. We know that there is a wrestling against not just flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, darkness in high places, and so on. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that God's Spirit gives us is the ability to see that, understand that, and grapple with that. Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know. 
escape. And in this emancipation, he has instructed us and taught us, and he does that through the ministry of the Pharisees who come alongside to help us. But there is a futility for those living according to the flesh. Not only dementia, but deadness, according to verse 6. To be carnally minded, it says, to have a fallen mental inclination, it says, is death. It is thanatos. The smell of death is everywhere for those who are conditioned by and committed only to the flesh. There is a frailty to the flesh. For all around us, there are elements of our weakness. Even as our outward persons perish, though, our hope as believers is that our inward person is being renewed, built up, Fleshiness is at odds with eternal things. Fleshiness is at odds with ultimate destiny because you can't see it or touch it yet. So the good things of life, the transcendent things, the glorious things, all of those things must bow before God. So that staff is not of him. Thirdly, there's rebellion. Notice it in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, there is a battle raging. There is enmity. There is an active hostility to God. I don't want him to rule and reign. Because if he does, I can't. I don't want his rules. I don't want his regulations. I don't want his truth. I don't want to submit. I will not have a sovereign over me. I want to be sovereign. It's that kind of a heart of fleshiness that Paul is describing here in these verses. Those that are unsaved are like the devil in the sense that they oppose God. They're always questioning God. Hath God said? Does God really say that? There's a desire for your own will, not God's will. The carnal mind wants to be its own master. It will not bow down. And you realize, in fact, in James 4, that this is the nature of flesh. Dementia, deadness, rebellion, all of these terms come out of the text. Let me add one final one pleasure, verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Think about it. There is nothing a person operating in the flesh can do to please God. But, but, but I made cookies and took them next door. But I, I coached Little League. You're telling me there's nothing I can do to please God? On a spiritual level, no. If we're going to operate in the realm of the Spirit, then He must be the impetus behind what we do. Otherwise, it's really all about us. Let's be square about this. Some of these acts of kindness and niceness, while we'll say they might be for God, they are, in fact, oftentimes better. Think about this. No good works, no religious observances, no sacrificial service, if it's not inspired by and motivated by the Spirit of the living God. You're always, it's like the, it's like the scalpel that would put out, cut out cancer. There's still cancer cells on it in that sense. It's infected. It finds itself in the cell of sin and the resulting 
Scripture brought the old knowledge of happiness and it's overrated, that in a way, life is overrated. We've lost somehow a sense of mystery about us, our purpose, our meaning, our role. He goes on to say, our ancestors believed in two worlds and understood this to be the solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short world. We're the first generation of man that actually expected to find happiness here on earth, and our search for it has caused such unhappiness. The reason? If you do not believe in another higher world, if you believe only in the flat material world around you, if you believe that this is your only chance at happiness, if that is what you believe, then you are not disappointed when the world does not give you a good measure of existence. You are just failing.
would abide under, as John 15 says. There's another word that I think is beautiful that we hear in the latter part of this verse, verse 6. But to be spiritually minded, it tells us in verse, verse 6, is life and peace. Yes, Mark 12, 21, I want life and peace. God's Word says that's produced through the ministry of God's Are you fearful? Are, 
Are you, are you weak and anemic? Are you confused and angry? Brother or sister, stop trying to help God out and apply more blood, sweat, and tears. And succumb to and submit to the ministry of God the Spirit. Paul does not suggest that the presence of sin means that we are not saved. He declares that when we sin, we are in fact living against the grain. supply 
what you need. The oil trees will drip, drip, drip down through the pipes into the bowl. It will be collected. It will burn bright. Brothers and sisters, if we are the light of the world, why is the world so dark? It's not a supply issue. It's a people issue. It's a discipleship issue. There is a perpetual supply. There are those that serve the Most High God, and they have all the resources that we need. It's the association. It's, a, it's, it's us not taking the pipes and sending the supplies someplace else. I call it God upon our lives so that God supplies what we need to light up another. We pour out in ministry and praise God, the living Lord pours back into us what we need. It's good news for people like us. It's good news for us who wonder, can I be fruitful and flourishing with gray hair or no hair? You know what? You can. Can I be fruitful and flourishing if I'm only nine or 12 or 14? Well, that's good cancer. Can I, can I grow, be equipped, be educated in the unsearchable riches of Christ, where I am, what I am, what I've come from, yes, you can. That's the glory of God the Spirit's ministry in the church. I hope that you will prize your gifts. I hope that you want to be fruitful and stay away from futility and worthlessness. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, I pray that you would hear our cries. on merely the sensual, those which are sensual tendencies. Father, I pray that your people would hear from you, the living Lord. There's needs for comfort. There's needs for instruction. There's needs for growth and righteousness. There's, there's needs for humility and confession and brokenness. And Father, your means, according to this great chapter, chapter 8, through the ministry of God the Spirit. Father, if there's a brother or sister here that's presently squelching that ministry, refusing that ministry, going against the grain of that ministry, I pray that today they would hear from you and respond by changing direction. Father, I pray you would meet our needs. Today, Lord God, that you would pour out on us an overwhelming grace. I pray that Pray that you help us to fix our minds and our hearts on Jesus Christ, our Savior. 